Oops, I forgot to start recording. <laughs> I just pressed it now. Okay. Oh, yeah, you started implementing a... Um you wanted to have an in-app prompt for... Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. But I wanted to make it super restricted to only um, actually show in, in very specific uh, circumstances. So only when you actually got value out of the app. So only after you uh, actually seen a push notification, so you got some value from it, you have at least one uh, parcel that has been delivered successfully. Um, and you've used the app for at least, um, I think, a month. Um but I got the date wrong, so I said you have to have used the app at least for ten years. Nice. So it never triggered. <laughs> yep, that was a typo. So I, I corrected that at some point. I was really frustrated. I was like, I have a lot of users that have used the app f- that would fulfill all those criteria, but I didn't get any extra reviews. I was like, what's happening here? Is everyone just saying no, not now? Yeah, it turns out I didn't have anyone that used the app for ten years. <laughs> I find that every time I get one of those prompts it's never at a good time like, and i know that developers are trying to be like some some don't and some just will show it on app launch you know on like the third or fifth launch or whatever but mm-hmm. oftentimes a developer will try and be smart about it while you're sort of if you've just completed something but often like, and particularly for apps that i'm using frequently i'm in and out i know what i want and it's very annoying or at almost any point in that flow to prompt uh, to have a prompt for a review or a rating. So I'm not, I don't know if there really is a good time for that and if there's a That's good the solution thing, though, to that problem. It, it, because it helps so much, I, I always feel conflicted, right? It seems like the apps that just prompt on launch get a lot more reviews than people that try to be more sensible about it. Um, what makes you think so? Like whenever I see someone that, like apps that just show it directly as soon as they launch and then I look in the app store they have, like, really good average ratings. Are those usually, like, bigger apps? Yeah. Because what I'm thinking is that those might just be, like, more... I have a feeling, like, indie developers or a company where developers are more involved in the design process would have more of a... would probably try to make it a better experience. They wouldn't just pop it up as soon as it's... uh, as soon as the user launches the app. But if it's just a bigger sort of corporate app, it might be... Something that's implemented and displayed on launch of the app, and therefore it's already a big app. So that's why they also already have a lot of reviews, right? For example, if an app like, I don't know if Starbucks does this, but if an app like Starbucks does this, then it doesn't really matter when they prompt because they already have so many users. So a lot of users would go to the app store anyways. Hmm. But then realistically, what is, what is a good time to show the, um, to show the review rate, like the the dialogue. I don't know. Do 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 either of you ever like at least give a star rating when those things come up? Almost always, yes. Oh, really? Yeah, it's very easy. And like, if it's an app I like, I'm not going to, uh, you know, rate it lower just because it it asked me at an inopportune time. For example, Tweetbot, uh, probably a month or two ago now, I was in the middle of just scrolling my timeline and it. Show me a prompt. It's like, cool, I'm actually performing an action right now. But anyway, but yeah, I did um, for that one. And I think this morning Castro uh, prompted me. Uh, I don't remember what I was doing, but it did. Um, and so I, I like those apps. So they get they get good reviews. Um, 
if it's an app I don't like and they've prompted me, then they get a bad review. It's like, well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have given you a negative rating. Oh, okay, but. because I would be like, okay, I really like this app, so I'm gonna give it like the star rating. I think it deserves usually five stars, which is another thing I want to discuss. Like, yeah. I don't like giving five stars. Like, people, things can always improve, right? <laughs> I don't want to give the highest rating because that's like this is a flawless app. But at the same time, I know that that's not how the society works. <laughs> so I need to give them five stars because otherwise, like, they they're gonna get the bad rating and yeah. they like people are gonna interpret that as a bad rating. That's the same with like Uber or Lyft. If you rate your driver less, I think if they get lower than like four point three or something, I don't know what it is now. But if they get like under four stars, I think they are automatically like given a warning. But I feel like everyone can always do better. I don't really want to give five stars, but just because the society sort of enforces that pattern, I started giving five stars. But anyways, I, if there would be an app that actually asks me uh, to prompt uh, to review their app and I don't like them, I just ignore it. I'm like, oh, I don't really. I mean, it's not a terrible app because I'm using it and. <laughs> I don't want to be like mean to them, so I guess I just ignore it. <laughs> yeah, my problem is more with apps that ask really, really early on. I just downloaded the app, use it for like thirty seconds, and they ask me for a review. Mm. But uh, you wouldn't give them a one star review. Then, no, right? that's that's a thing. I I might then say not now, and that's kind of the punishment they're getting for asking too early. I just don't rate them. If they would have asked me an hour later, I would have said sure. Now I like you. <laughs> Are you using an app for an hour? <laughs> like. An hour of total usage time. Yeah, yeah. So if if I've actually seen the value of the app and I know I like it, I, I'm super happy to give them a good rating. But if they just ask me after I just downloaded it, man, I don't know. So I think that's that's kind of I usually give five stars or I say not now, um, based on on how much value I've actually been getting out of the the app. Have you ever actually uh, written a review from that dialogue? Probably yes. Uh, I don't usually, though. Um, it's usually just because I'm usually in the middle of something, it's very easy to give a, a star rating and move on. Um, I'm sure I have at some point, though. I've had a weird issue lately where it told me... Um, in So I got the, that StoreKit dialogue, gave it five stars, uh, hit send or whatever the button is, right? And then it said, I can't rate that app because I haven't purchased it. And... When I dismissed that dialogue, I saw you successfully rated. it. Like, what the? That's <laughs> weird. Were you on a test flight or anything? No, it was just, uh, I mean, I was on, I had test flight builds installed on my phone, but not for that app. Okay, yeah. yeah that's weird. Yeah, so do I don't know, know what happened there. And then I also tried to do it in store and I got the same. So I went to App Store to the app's um, info page and the same thing happened there. Don't know what, what what was wrong. I, I wonder if it might have been something that I bought it on my when my App Store account was still Australian, and then I moved it to Canadian, and they got confused about that or something Maybe. like that. Speaking of weird pop ups in apps, uh, I have used this. Um, um, I noticed this weird thing, this weird bug in um, what is it called? Um, Fedora. So every time you use like a order delivery app, they always prompt you to rate the delivery and the food afterwards uh, and every time Fedora pops this up I'm like okay I can rate this and then I tap the button to go and rate it and it opens Artsy like a different app that's interesting deep links They're hard. it's really weird first first it was like asking me for permission to open Artsy I'm like that's unrelated why why would I do that and then one time I tried to just 
okay, I allow it to open Artsy. And then it just now every time I want to rate the food I had, it opens Artsy. How is it asking you to rate it? Is it in an email or a push notification or something? No, it's in a pop-up, like an overlay uh, dialogue as soon as I open the app. Oh, like inside the app, it then kicks you to Artsy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's weird. It's a custom thing. And then when I tap fi- the fifth star, it opens, like it's it's like a, what, is it called? what do you call that? Like a deep link? No, no, like the actual star. I don't think, like, it's not an actual official model, but you know, when you have like four, five stars and then you can basically select how many stars. It's like uh-huh. a rating star. Yeah. 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 Okay. It's like, it's like a, uh, it's, it's nothing, like, it's not a UI kit element. It's just, uh, um, their own implementation. And as soon as I tap the fifth star and then submit, then it asks me to open RT. It's really strange. That's pretty weird. Yeah. So whatever weird, um, URL scheme they're using to, to manage yeah. the rating seems to be the one that Artsy uses. Yeah, I guess so. Because they're not related in any way. Someone pasted the uh, test URL into the prod config <laughs> key. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like Artsy and Fedora doesn't have anything to do with each other. So it's a bit strange. Mm. Mm. I have a bit of a problem this week. Um, I plan to prepare for this episode, but then Super Smash Brothers came out. And I played Super Smash Brothers instead of preparing. <laughs> that's, not, that's not an excuse. I wondered why the document hadn't been created about an hour ago when I decided <laughs> I'd uh, log in and check to see what we were going to talk about. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, I got I got carried away. Yeah, I thought, lots of things in there now, though. I, I did a good job. Yeah, yeah. Martin, Martin made up for my failings. Yeah. Yeah, it's been filled out nicely. Yeah, I, I stopped uh, playing at 5.01 when I realized I'm already one minute late to our recording. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's good, Kai. Good. Thanks for admitting that. Yeah. <laughs> At I'm, least uh, we appreciate your honesty. I'm I'm an honest person. Uh, I wanted to mention a semi semi final uh, semi uh, funny story. Uh, or a semi final story, whatever that is. <laughs> um, like three days after we spoke about um, people pointing out that they have an accent, I went to this uh, restaurant slash cafe. Um, and just wanted to order. It's sort of like this, like subway sort of setup. So like you go through the steps and say what you want. It was like I ordered a burrito, and you say what you want on the burrito. Um, and then there was this guy here. He's like, "Oh, where are you from?" First thing he asked. Like I was just like, "Hi, I want a burrito." He said, "Where are you from?" And I was like, "Oh, okay. I, I guess this this is normal. This tend to happen." And um, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I'm from Sweden." And then he was like, "Oh." Sweden, that's awesome. Thank you so much for IKEA meatballs. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm just going to go with it. The guy next to me, he was like laughing at it. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll go with it. And I was like, no problem. I worked really hard on that. And the guy thought it was funny and it was a funny story. Uh, and <laughs> Everyone had a blast. Yeah, everyone was <laughs> laughing. People were applauding at my amazing joke. Uh, so, so it was great. But I was like, oh, this is so typical. Like it happened just after we spoke about it. Um and I was a bit like, yeah, would have been great if he just remembered what I like took my order and then we, we moved on and like uh, focused on that instead of my accent. But that, that was fine. I guess he just wanted to do some small talk. But Did I guess he remember your order? He just prepares the bread, then he gives it to someone else. So it's not a complicated order. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say yes. <laughs> It, it was fine. Like that, it wasn't like that was distracting from it. I think. And now the next time I went there, like two days after, because I really liked this place, and then he remembered my name. So I guess that was that was nice. Uh, but what I wanted to say is that while I was doing this, while I was placing the order, I had my parents waiting 
on the phone because I was on a phone call with them. And I said, like, like I told them, hang on a second, I'm just going to place my order. And then they overheard it and they were like, oh, that's so nice that he asked you where you're from. And that's so funny that he, like, he complicated, he, uh, he, uh, Complimented. complimented you on ikea and meatballs and they thought it was hilarious so i just want to say like all sweets are not like that i think many people think it's funny but i guess after so many years of having this that's why i'm a little bit more sensitive to it but yeah just want to point out that like i think i am probably this is not a big deal that like people do comment on the accent i guess especially like in this scenario because in the end he remembered my order but i guess i want to just clarify that like the reason why I care so much about this is because I really want to I guess I don't want this to be the first impression that everyone remembers about me I want to actually like if I'm at a meetup I want to have like a valuable conversation that's not only about where I'm from um, but yeah at least it was nice to hear my parents opinion and see that they they would be very happy if people ask them where they're from also, uh, you remember, I think I sent you a message that my internet was supposed to be, or that there were rumors our internet would get faster soon? Um, yes. <laughs> Turns out that those are paid up, right? Oh. So we now have the option. <laughs> what? You have to pay to get a better product? You have the option of making it faster. So that that is even worse. So now, now someone gives me an option to spend more money per month on something I actually don't need. But it looks so enticing. So the, the new options are to go uh, 750 up and down or gigabit up and down. Okay. <sighs> gigabit it is. <laughs> it's $20 more per month to go from the 300 uh, to the 750 and $40 to go from the 300 to a gigabit. But $40 per month is a lot more money. Can I can I make a case for the $40 a month? <laughs> <laughs> you know how, how uh, that, that would come right out of the iMac Pro uh, budget. But yeah, make your case. Uh, well, uh, okay. The first really simple one is uh, we can't do that here. So you've got to make up for all the Australians who are stuck I with know. a maximum that's how that's crappy how 100, <laughs> 100 down, 40 up connection. But the, um, the actual justification I was about to say is so... You remember KO, the sport streaming service that uh, <laughs> that you mention I've, every single time? Yes, I, I, yes, I do I've remember. Mentioned it most episodes in the last month. Um, so right now, there is the first test match of the Australian cricket summer, and I'm not going to lie. Like while well, well, test match, just well, in case they're failing, they they do a test match before. Test match is like the <laughs> pinnacle of cricket. But anyway, um, so so there's a test match going on. I wonder if real matches might be more interesting to watch. Okay. Let him tell the story. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, it's only the amateur teams playing test matches, right? Well, without their two best batsmen, Australia kind of look like an amateur team. Anyway, while uh, once we got this video chat up and running and started recording this podcast, not going to lie, I tried to stream KO in another tab. Uh, <laughs> my internet couldn't really. I don't know if it was the internet. I don't know if it's my computer. It couldn't really handle it. Uh KO was definitely um, cutting in and out way too much, and uh, your voices were cutting in and out way too much. I wasn't listening to KO, but I was trying to watch it. Um, didn't work. <laughs> Thanks. So, because I cannot do that here, you should do that in Amer- in Canada and make up for our crappy internet, which cannot handle a like 720p video stream and a, a <laughs> Discord video call. Yeah, just just a thing to think about. So I can also try some people testing cricket. Sure, I'll send you the (laughs) (laughs) one. 
wonder if that will work. Do they have uh, geo restrictions on KO? I think they do, but VPN is your friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> hey, it's being paid for. It's fine. But I'm I'm pretty sure uh, 300 would be plenty for that too. Yes, I'm sure. But, <laughs> you know, I'm trying to make you spend more money here. Like, you don't need an iMac Pro, but I would also love it if you bought one. <laughs> I'll get there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I feel like 300 is actually at a point where I'm... I probably wouldn't notice a difference, but it is always fun to see when a download a download hits like I don't know for a gigabit you would you would get like a hundred twenty megabyte downloads per second. That's that's pretty that's a fun thing to see. I just don't you know. You won't if even be able to see it. It's too quick to download. I would find really large things to download. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I will try. I will try to convince myself to to spend extra money. But it's nice to have the option. I might call them. Maybe I call them and say... And, and say what? Hi, I want your product, uh, but I don't want to pay for it? I've seen on Reddit some people that called them and and uh, uh, showed that you know, like we have multiple um, providers here that offer a relatively fast internet service. So I've seen some people on Reddit saying, hey, Shaw offers 600 down for the same price of your 300, and then they get the 750 for, for the same price or a similar price. So maybe that's an option. Sometimes they also give you off- offers like if you stay on your two-year contract, you then get $30 off a month. So I'd be happy to pay another $10 for for the for the faster one. I'll see, I'll see. You don't need it, but it's always nice to have faster internet. I know. <laughs> and I, I feel like I have to make up for all those years of Australian internet. Um, but there's also another... Um, I've seen a uh, different fiber company's van outside of our um, of our apartment a uh, couple of times last week. So maybe there is another fiber line coming into the building at some point. That would be nice because they offer gigabit lines for, um, I think it's $60 a month, uh, which is pretty good. Um, so then I would switch to that. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, internet's good here. Uh, nice. you, should, you should move to Vancouver. <laughs> mm, well... <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? Uh, encryption is legal here. Whoa! <laughs> oh, I can't even laugh at that. It's <laughs> it's painful. So I know. yeah, what what is going on? This uh, this once great country has essentially outlawed <laughs> encryption. <laughs> this once great country in 1903, uh, before the Great Emu War. <laughs> Which no one outside of Perth has ever heard of the Great Emu War. Can we just make that clear? <laughs> it's so good that I will definitely link uh, the Great Emu War uh, on, in the show. Because it was an official war in, in Australia. And the emus won. I'm sorry to spoil it. <laughs> yeah, man. You, you look, look the if, the emu, if, if the emus beat... Australians, what chance did we stand against encryption? I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just one of my favorite trivia's about Australia that Australia had an official war where the country of Australia, with the military, had a war against emu, the the, the flightless bird, the huge flightless bird. Where it's a huge bird. Where after I don't know what it was, two weeks, three weeks, something like after a few weeks, they officially declared the emus the winner of that war. It's 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 just one of my favorite things about Australia. Anyways, encryption. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, what's encryption? <laughs> Is it illegal to say the word? Uh, <laughs> Is someone knocking at the door? I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> Bit weird, midday on a Sunday. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, that was that was a bit of a uh, clusterfuck. Yeah, so um, this, this bill's been in Parliament for a few months now and finally passed both the lower and the upper house. Um, so it's sort of, I don't know where to begin. I've had a lot of discussions with a lot of different people about it this week and I, I guess we're just going to assume people know what this is or, or not. I don't know. <laughs> So, essentially, I, I can give the briefest of summaries. And if I'm wrong, my excuse is I'm not actually living in that country anymore. Yeah. Sure. There was actually a Diverge article to this, so we can link that. Yeah. Um, but I, I just want to take the burden off you because you have to be more right because you live in a country that with that with that bill having passed. My excuse is mm, it's just a country <laughs> opinion once. Um, anyway, um, so, essentially, the Australian government passed a bill that... Um, uh, that makes it so the Australian government can ask companies that operate in Australia to give them access to data if it's encrypted or not. Yes. And therefore entice them or, or force them essentially to build a backdoor into anything that they're doing encrypted. Yeah, it's essentially a backdoor. And the one of the worst parts about it is you're not allowed to tell anyone. Yeah. It's illegal to talk about it if the government comes knocking and asks for this. Um, yeah. And also, they can't approach... What do you mean, tell? Like, so if, if they would have approached you, Zach, you're mm -hmm. not allowed to tell anyone that they did? You're not allowed to tell your employer. Yeah, yeah Zach can now n neither tell or neither uh, uh, confirm or deny whether he was enticed by the government to build a backdoor into anything he's oh, working okay, on. okay, okay. So it's not if they ask for your information. It's if you would have added a backdoor, you're not allowed to say that. Right, yeah. And oh, okay. you, you don't, they can approach a, a developer individually. It doesn't have to be a company um, that they approach. And the thing is, I mean, it's, it's plain stupid. I mean, we all, <laughs> we're all in tech. Everyone who works in tech knows and understands that that's not how encryption works. And, you know, there's all the arguments about, well, you have a backdoor for one person, you have a backdoor for everyone, that's fine. Blah, blah. Um, there's, there's a few sort of implications here. So, the first is, I don't know how they think they're going to regulate international companies. Um, you know, I, I don't see a time where you're you're asking Apple to put a backdoor into iMessage and they comply with that. I don't see that happening. I mean, in theory, that's what the government want if they're seeking those kind of uh, that kind of information. Um, I don't see a world in which that happens. I don't know how you place companies that have zero Australian presence whatsoever. But it's a bit of a problem, right? Um because they could also just get in touch with a Australian citizen that works for Apple in the US. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, I mean, they can't prosecute that person if they deny the request, but they can't mm -hmm. enter the country again in that case because right. they yeah. committed a crime on uh, by the Australian laws. Yeah. So now it almost... Like, the, the problems I see for individuals, okay. even if... if so. Even if we assume this this will never be triggered and would only be triggered in in the most exceptional circumstances, it still makes it a problem for for multiple parts. First of all, for the Australian um, uh, tech industry, that just means every Australian tech product is it's now problem problematic for them to sell that overseas because if mm -hmm. you're exporting a yeah. tech product, you have to 
base your purchase decision on the assumption that there might be a backdoor in, in the product you're buying because it's coming from Australia. Right. How can you trust this software now? Yeah. Or it being altered at any point in time without you even knowing that it did. Yeah. But if, if that would be sold in, in Europe, wouldn't that go against GDPR then? Or wouldn't they have to at least include that in their... It absolutely does go against GDPR. So I don't know how you, you can't satisfy a potential request from the Australian government for this, but also make your product comply with GDPR. It doesn't work. It's not possible. Yeah. So Unless that- you include it, you could still let them know in the terms and conditions, right? Would that be enough? You're not allowed to talk about it. Mm. Oh, yeah, you're right. So you can't, it, it makes it really hard for Australian tech products to be exported to most places in the world now. Mm-hmm. And we know you With can't build, build a custom version of whatever it is you're working on mm. f- for country to country. Like, that doesn't work either. Everything, the, the basis of everything is the same. And yeah. if if one is compromised, it, probably yeah. all your systems are compromised. And even if, that just means it puts a way bigger burden on the Australian uh, product, even if you yeah. would go through all the effort to, to somehow figure out how to comply with both. So, on that side, it, it's super damaging for the local Australian tech uh, industry because they can't comply with certain international standards uh, anymore. And it's it's problematic for individuals, Australian developers. Like, if Zach would now join uh, uh, Apple in Cupertino... Yeah, would that matter? Could they actually... Wouldn't they have to ask Apple? Can they no, that's ask the thing. They would go to individual developers. Mm-hmm. So Zach And they would, would have to expose the company they work at. Like, the information about the company that, they That's work the at. idea behind it, yeah. Okay. No, I didn't realize that... I thought they had to actually go through the... Like go through the company as an entity, they couldn't do it. Unfortunately, not. Which is uh, again another uh, another part of this that just seems dumb. Like, and it's frustrating on many levels. I mean, you've touched on what it potentially means for Australian businesses, but it's also just it's another thing that goes to show how little the Australian government care cares about tech, cares about the tech yeah. industry, cares about the tech scene in Australia. I mean. You know, there's always talk of, oh, the next Silicon Valley, somewhere in Sydney, somewhere in Melbourne, we're going to invest in this. And then they go and do stupid things like this. And it's like, are you trying to drive tech talent out of the country? It's ridiculous. It's so infuriating to be somebody who likes this country, but who also has a government that doesn't sort of support the industry that they've already missed the boat on. And they're continuing to miss the boat by doing things like this. I mean, for us, it wasn't an accident that we left Australia. <laughs> yeah. We left yeah. Australia because there were so many decisions already where we thought for us as people that really care about tech and want to uh, be in tech and work in tech, that Australia was a country where there are so many hurdles put in places that we thought the Australian tech industry is not as bright as we wanted it to be. So we we wanted to go to a place where where the environment is just more forthcoming towards the tech industry. So, and I, I don't think we're the only two people in the world that decided to leave Australia before because of that. And it makes it hard to build a tech hub, even if you're saying, even if you would say we've somehow figured out how to work in this environment where we have all those people that have clearly no understanding of technology making, making laws that then you somehow have to figure out how to deal with still means you lose a lot of the talent that you would otherwise have. Because it's not like Australia focuses a lot on on tech education. Like a big yeah, part of the tech the industry is already yeah. coming through immigration. And if you discourage tech immigrants to come into your country or the ones you have to leave your country, this is not a good idea on, on yeah, any... Yeah, that, that's the problem. I think 
at the moment, um, Australia is not in the best situation to attract people, uh, like to, to make the new Silicon Valley or whatever they want to call it. I feel like there, there are disadvantages of Australia. First of all, everyone's really spread. It's hard to actually get a hub in that way. And second of all, uh, they're also really far away from the rest of the world. Like in order to actually like be involved in like the larger community, it's, it's a bit difficult because there are time, uh, time zone differences. There are just like distance differences. Like to, to demonstrate your product at like an international comp- conference, you have to travel for like 20, 30 hours to do that. And there are so many things that are already like a downside for Australia. And I think something like this, it's just gonna like make it harder to adopt it. And I'm not saying like that Australia, it's not going to be able to have a tech industry, but like adding those type of things is just not going to help people being able to like, I guess, lead that way. Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't help a country that already has, based on its location, disadvantages in, yeah, in that yeah. industry. Um, so yeah, the more more of those kind of things happening, and it also just shows how little understanding people in power in Australia have of the tech industry. And that, I mean, we've seen that over the last 10 years. I mean, that's why we just talked about the internet being better in, in basically everywhere else in the world. There's just a constant flow of bad tech decisions being made in the government that led, led to an environment that makes it harder and harder for Australians to, to compete with the rest of the world. And I mean, this is, it doesn't look like it's going to stop. And this is probably now the pinnacle of that type of decision where there's a law being passed that so clearly there's like there's no one in technology that i mean either people say this is impossible or they're saying this is plain stupid everyone knows it's a bad idea there's there's not a debate that's going on here amongst people who understand anything about technology right it's not a 50 50 it's not a even a 70 30 here it's yeah yeah, it's like 99% yeah. of people are saying this is bad. Yeah, but it also active. I, I also find the fact just more troubling that individuals are impacted just by being Australian citizens. Because yeah, because it, now even if you let's say you don't want to, you don't want to help. Like let's say you 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 don't agree with this. Even if you would now move to a different country and work for a tech company. It's, I didn't realize this before, but that's like, that's really negative for the people. Like it's influencing the person and the company that that person will be hired for. Because as long as they're Australian, it could be like problematic, right? So it's not just if you're in Australia. And I think that's, that's really harming. It's just tricky, right? If you would be an Australian that works for the, I don't know, British government, it's now tricky, right? Can the British government still hire? Australian tech workers yeah, today. Like you don't want to, like, at the moment, I feel like Austra- there are many Australians moving overseas in the tech industry, and I wonder if this would discourage company from hiring Australians. At least while, while figuring out what the legal implications are, right? If, if you hire um, people that have to comply with laws from a foreign country that are not legal in your country, that's a tricky situation that needs to be figured out. Even if, if there is a way of figuring it out, it still makes it more difficult. And again, it makes it more difficult for smaller companies more so than for large companies. Because, I don't know, Apple probably has enough lawyers to figure those kind of things out. But if I would hire someone, I would now consider to potential wait waiting with hiring an Australian developer because I don't really know what this all uh, includes at the moment. 
And that's just, I don't understand. It's, yeah. and it's also, I mean, everyone agreed. That's, that's what I'm also not understanding. It looked like everyone agreed that that bill was rushed and not really worked through well and had a lot of flaws and imperfections and uh, rough edges. <laughs> and then both of the large parties decided we'll pass it anyway yeah, but and figure out. There's certain things that still will, that they still will continue working out in 2019. Yeah, but you can't do that, right? Uh, it's so- something that is. So the, I think this is an important thing to touch on and to talk about why it passed now, why it's passed before Christmas. Um, so it's been it's been debated and it made it through the, the lower and upper house uh, very recently. It's been debated for a few months. Um, so the the government that or the government at in the moment, beta? sorry, no, the debating, debated, uh-huh. debated in parliament. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah okay. I thought it was in beta for a ago. while. Like, that sounds pretty. <laughs> the law like was a good in idea. <laughs> Yeah, so it's was, it was better for a while, uh, and it passed both the upper and lower house this week, meaning that it's it's now law. And the government uh, at the moment, uh, are a liberal government, but that that's the party name. But they're a right wing. They're our right wing government. Uh, right wing in Australia is not really right wing compared to the rest of the world. Anyway, it's irrelevant. Easy way of remembering that everything is upside down in Australia. So mm-hmm. if you say liberal, they're actually super far right. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, super far right is questionable, but anyway. Um, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. For, we have for Canadian standards. Right. For Canadian standards, they're pretty far right. Sure, Canadian. Yeah, okay. So Canada is great. Anyway, um, so the the, At least PC. the supposed you know sort of free market capitalist pro business government has put this forth, and um, Labour, so our our left wing um, party, centre. Sure, yes. <laughs> uh, proposed some amendments to it, actually uh, over 100 amendments to it during the week, and basically came out and said, we know this is a crappy law. Um, the, amend- the amendments weren't uh, enough to sort of make it an acceptable law, but nonetheless, they were sort of a step forward, um, and then decided to back down on these amendments and pass the law in its current state with the decision to come back after Christmas and reassess. But in the meantime, this bill is law. It's not still being debated. It's not stuck trying to get through the upper house. It's law. And I, I feel like that just sort of goes to show Australian politics in general, right? That, well, it's not good enough, but we'll get, we'll deal with it later. Like, we're not going to put this on hold yep. because we, we know that they, they've admitted this, this party has admitted that they know it's not the right. Uh, the law, the law in its current form is not where they want it to be. It's not what they want, but they've agreed to put it through regardless. And it's important to remember there is an election coming up next year. And, uh, so this is supposedly an anti-terrorism bill. Um, you know, they, they wasn't that to- also the argument? They were afraid they didn't want to compromise to Australian security over the holidays. Yeah. And I'll point out that this bill actually doesn't come into uh, power for 28 days from the ruling. So it skips the holiday period. Uh, it skips until basically the end of December. Uh, good on them. But they didn't want to be seen as. So the, the way that uh, I heard that the Labour government th- uh, think about this, and I think a lot of people are particularly angry with the Labour government because they they admitted that the bill is not. Uh, not in a good state, but then they went ahead and passed it anyway. And the reason they wanted they did that is because uh, if they if something goes wrong over the Christmas period, if um, you know, God forbid, a, a terror event happened in Australia, 
and they were seen to not have passed this law, they feel like they will lose the next election. So that's what it's about, the election next year. And they didn't want to be seen as the ones who stopped but this. But that's the thing, uh, right? They're not even saying if that would happen, it would be catastrophic if we don't have ways of finding the people that committed a crime. It's just about, wouldn't it be terrible if people die and therefore they don't re-elect, they mm-hmm. don't elect us next yep. year? <laughs> yep. That, and like, that's, that's the, the approach, priority here. That's the approach that's been taken. So that's sort of like normally, I mean, this is not a political show and normally that kind of stuff wouldn't be relevant, but I think that sort of is related to this. Uh, you know, if you're listening, you go, why, why the hell was this passed? This is unbelievably stupid. Uh, that's why. And it's sort of this this really petty game that uh, politicians in Canberra is play. this their official reason? Like this this is not an official reason they came out with though, right? Like I would assume no, it was say it- sort of an off the record discussion that that came out of. That was obviously not off the record in the end. Um, but but their their official reason is we would rather you know keep Australians safe now. Um, and we can amend this bill later and we want to keep them safe over the holidays. And, and everyone knows it's, it's a way, it's super easy to change a law that's already in effect. Oh, and yeah. everyone knows your, your bargaining powers are way stronger when there is already, uh, the law that passed and is in effect. And then you want amendment, amend it. That's, that's a way better. I also point out at this stage, uh, Labour Party are probably going to win the next election. And they will definitely be making use of this. I do not doubt that for a second. They they absolutely want this bill uh, in its current form, I reckon, to to exist. Um, so, there will yeah. be another prime minister soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yet another prime minister. I almost remembered uh, the current guy's name. That, uh, that uh, <laughs> Can't live with that. We need a new one. I want to yeah, be no. more confused about who's the current prime minister. Mm-hmm. It's the first thing you should check when you wake up every morning. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that um, during the G20 meeting that uh, Mer- uh, Angela Merkel, the German Chancellor, she had like uh, just an information sheet about all the like leaders of all the different countries, and the Australian uh, information sheet was the only one that had a picture of the leader of the country because <laughs> <laughs> yep. they change so often. She can keep up with that. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, so that's sort of. Um I've been speaking to a lot of people about it um, the last few days, and everyone in tech is really bummed out. Um, I think no one outside of tech cares. It, it doesn't, even the, the non-tech people I've mentioned to. I mean, some people understand it, and those who understand it seem to agree that, um, you know, it's it's not right, and the government don't really know what they're doing. But I think a lot of people also just don't know or don't care what it means. Mm. Um, I mean, I've had conversations with with non-tech adults uh you know like way older than me who are basically like good let's catch the terrorists and it's like come seriously i I don't care what the government knows about me if it's keeping everyone safe or i have nothing to hide and all of those those conversations really really frustrate me um yeah Yeah, but i don't think like that's not what it's about right no it's not most people don't have things to hide it's more Mm -hmm. about the fact that it could potentially make many systems less secure and that But you you do have stuff to hide though. Your online banking is hidden behind encryption. Like yeah, you yeah. have stuff like, to hide. It's- I guess yeah, no, but I I guess like it's not it's not critical information that would be problematic. No, it comes no, out it wouldn't, if it, it's not information if it, that would, it would get come you in out trouble. to the wrong yeah, but if it would come, like, if your bank statements would come out to people who shouldn't have it, that would be problematic. So mm-hmm. I guess it's more about the insecurity. And I think that's what you need to maybe educate people who are not in technology about, because this could actually lead to less security and right. costs. Yeah. 
And I think people's minds go straight to things they're potentially doing wrong or illegal activities. It's not about, it's not about any of that. It's just about don't give them more power than they need to have as well at a, like at a basic level. There are two things to that, right? So one of them is if you're a person that behaves slightly differently when you're at home than if you're in public, then this already affects you because it's just, you know, even if you're just dancing silly to a song, you wouldn't do that in public. You might do that at home. Um, if you would know everyone can see what you're doing at home, you probably wouldn't. So it alters your behavior. Just knowing that you can be monitored. I mean, it, it's sometimes I send like a silly message to Marlin just for fun. It's not that I need to hide that or that it's incriminating me in any way. But if I would know if someone is reading all the messages, I might change my behavior. And that is dangerous. If people all behave in a way where they always have to sec- like second guess everything they're saying based on it being monitored. Um, well, well, people talk differently when they know that, uh, and that's not, it's a human trait, like it's not, not in a, a bad way at all. I mean, we're, we're probably talking to each other slightly differently than we would be if this call wasn't being recorded. Yeah, of course. I mean, we're, you know, we're yeah. a little more structured, we're a little more formal, um, we're probably a little bit more considerate with the things we're, we're saying because we know that other people are listening to us and that's fine. That's, we're doing yeah. this for a purpose. Um, but if you know that, it's like with anything. If you know that something is more off the record, you're probably going to be a little bit more loose, and that's okay. Like that's human nature. But now knowing yeah. that, you know, maybe your your iMessages uh, could be intercepted. Like you know, again, not talking about anything illegal or anything bad, just things being a little bit silly sometimes. Like, hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and then the the other thing is also. Um, <sighs> How many people are experts at building backdoors? You know, it's it's like a backdoor is also not... I mean, people already... Like a lot of developers... I mean, we see that, right? A lot of things have data leaks and there are exploits in systems that were built to be secure. Um, because th- those are tricky things and not everyone gets them right. But now forcing people to to build a backdoor, the chances of that being secure is even harder. <laughs> Reckon we'll see uh, a backdoor kit at WWDC next year. <laughs> <laughs> Core backdoor. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the thing, right? Um, and then if you have something like that, it, the, the chances of it being exploited by by people that are not doing it for, for uh, in, 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 quotation marks uh to increase security in your country um those those chances are uh relatively high too so it's just also a dangerous thing and we yeah it's also important to point out so australia's on a completely separate note australia's had a well it's related but a separate bill australia's had a data retention policy for a few years now and um like, I, I know you could look at this discussion and say, oh, we're being paranoid and they're probably not going to use it for the things that they say they won't use it to. And if you, if you read this bill, uh, you know, word for word, uh, you would probably think that they're going to be responsible in the types of, uh, information they're trying to get from, from people as a result of this. Uh, but we've had a, a data retention, um, uh, bill in place for a few years and that's been abused. And I don't think anyone, uh, I don't think anyone disagrees that that has been used for things that it supposedly wasn't going to be used for uh, when it was introduced a few years ago. Uh, I'm not really going to go into the details aren't important, um, but it's basically like they have a, a track record of allowing more parties to access things with a bit more ease than they really should. Um, so there's a very good chance that this bill uh, will be used for the, the 
or at least attempt to be used for the types of examples that have uh, been floating around. And it's not just about, you know, strictly catching terrorism and, and things like that or um, sex offenders and things like that, which is what they're putting forth. That's always the thing, though, right? As soon as you have a thing in place that it gives you more power, now you rely on people that were so incompetent to come up with the law in the first place to now use it uh, uh, responsibly. That just, yep. it's very unlikely going to happen. Or in this case, give it to people who supposedly oppose the law in public, but actually want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's frustrating. I guess it's a bit like having junk food in the house for emergency reasons. You're not going to just leave that around until it's an actual emergency. You're Perfectly good junk the, food like, that's going to waste. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you're just going to, you have it right there, you're going to eat no i don't think i don't think that's the same but uh, i do think it seemed like you Zach, have been more involved in this and i it's good to hear that you do talk more that. involved uh, not more involved <laughs> but you, you you've been i guess you've been more what do you call it uh engaged in this and it's it's great to hear in the that, discussion in the discussion about this uh, and yeah it's good to know that like the general sense uh in census yeah the general census of people in Australia and in the tech industry is that it, it's it's not good. And yeah, we'll see. Uh, maybe there are amendments made and maybe there are changes. So I think we probably will get back to this. Yeah. If I, if I had to guess, I think that, you know, a few big companies will come together and appeal this uh, at some higher court thing and, you know, there will be amendments or it'll be revoked entirely. Like something, I can't see it existing in its current form forever, Uh, but the fact is that it is going to exist in 20-something-odd days, and that part really sucks. I mean, it was obviously rushed through. It wasn't well thought out. Um, and it also sets a, a precedent for the rest of the world, right? I mean, uh, I, know, I know the UK, I think, want to pass something uh, or have looked at passing something similar. And it's like, well, if this goes through in Australia, then it's it's an example for them to turn to and say, hey, it's been done in Australia. Why can't we do it here? And then we just sort of spiral out of control. So, yeah, anyway. <laughs> did you did you see that Apple already updated their Australian um, uh, privacy website? I did see that. It said something about not building a backdoor ever or something. Yeah, um, so they added to the encryption part of their uh, privacy um, and Apple's approach to privacy website. They added a new sentence that says, we also refuse to add a backdoor into any of our products. Yeah, I mean... It's nice for the company to say that, but I think the law just needs to not exist <laughs> instead of... Yeah. And and also, you know, that is a company-wide statement, but an individual employee or two can have different desires anyway. Yep. All tech companies uh, cease uh, to operate in Australia and see how that goes. They should, they should shut down for a few days. Stop selling tech products and, you know, take AWS down in Australia and Netflix offline for a few nights. And, you know, that'll really cause a statement. That would, you know, how... That would, that would solve your slow internet problem, I think. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing left to do will be stream KO. It'd be great. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know how, how like, um, unions have uh, strikes and those kind of things? Um, it would be kind of fun to have, like, a tech strike in Australia yeah, where Google and Apple and all the larger tech companies just decide... Just for 12 hours or something to just not serve requests in Australia. Just as a as a sign of kind of getting people to understand how important technology is and pay more attention to when they're trying to pass laws that touch technology. Yep, because people will notice, right? People will, if, if Google.com is down, people will try and find out why. People will find mm -hmm. out why. And then that can link to some kind of, uh, I don't know, like, 
page about why it's down and sort of explain yeah. it in plain English to the Australian public, explain why it's bad. Or, you know, the Netflix.com homepage can show a message if you try and visit mm. it from within Australia for a night. I know, yeah. I know that, again, these are private companies and they have no obligation to do this, but it does affect their business and their operations if they mm. operate in Australia. So, it would be nice to see some take a stand, but mm. whether that happens- And I feel in general, uh, people- I mean, a lot of individuals are involved in politics. I don't really see how bigger groups that are more powerful shouldn't also get involved in some of those kind of essential parts of the business they're in. So I wouldn't, I, I don't understand why, why companies try. Like Apple is big enough and powerful enough. So is Google that even if they make political stands, they're not going out of business as a result of that. So they should use the power that they have acquired by getting all this money from Australians and other people in the world, of course, uh, to now also do something good. I, I think that's that would be good, good thing to use all the power they acquired over the years. I think we should also at some point have an official. I mean, I, I we have kind of unofficial uh, Canada's great segments, but I think we should have at some point also a bigger because I'm my problem is always I feel like Canada. Call it Canada, eh? <laughs> Um, I feel like Canada is often described by what it's not and as an escape hatch, like something horrible po happens politically in, in, in the US and people talk about uh, going to Canada, something stupid happens in Australia, people talk about Canada. I'd like to, I mean, that's all good. I mean, things are not as, as stupid here. Um, but I feel like Canada has so many things that just make it a genuinely good thing. And it shouldn't just be defined by how it's not stupid. So at some point, it would would be fun to just talk about that. If if you're you can bear us talk about Canada for for half an hour at some point. Was it you that I was talking to about your uh, minority government situation this week? I can't remember. I don't think so. Okay, so I was talking to somebody, and they were explaining Canada's minority government, uh, the situation uh -huh. you've got going there. It's really fascinating. We're terrified of a minority government here in Australia, <laughs> but um, I'm almost sold on the idea. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's, a, that's a topic for another day. But uh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was... Uh, it was really fun to learn about, actually. And uh, mm. yeah. Good to have more people talk about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have... We, there are a lot of like really good YouTube videos about it. We can send you some uh, specifically about, like I guess, the Canadian government and... There are also a lot about like city planning and stuff like that, which is always interesting. Mm. We'll send it to you and then slowly convince you to to move here. Thanks. <laughs> we also have a carbon tax, and it works. Who would have thought? Wait, you didn't revoke it. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean the one that was revoked just after the results came out that it actually worked? Mm. Yeah, that one. That's that the one. one you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. That's make, yeah. makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's the one we decided to keep after it turned out to work. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe maybe there's something getting, uh, in the water there. It's good. <laughs> it's also getting higher and higher every year, right? Yeah, yeah, it goes up by $5 per ton each year in BC. Anyway, that will be our Canada episode. Cool. At some a point in the future. whole episode? Yeah, it's a Canada, okay. Canada episode. A Canada we should do it in winter. Yep, we should do it when it snows or something. Speaking of episodes next week is our half year anniversary Woo! 26 really? yeah wow. yeah huh. I, 
Man, so much happened in half a year. I know. It, it kind of feels like I can't believe we've done this for half a year, but also I can't believe we've only done this for half a year. That, that's right. How much happened since? Really? You think it, it, it's a half a year is a long time, but it still feels like a fresh side project. It's weird. Yeah. yeah like it's I probably think- a good thing. It means that it doesn't, you know. Um, it's a good thing but it's just it's strange but also personally like half a year ago we were yeah, still having like our I residential t- address in six Sydney six times or something Fun? I tweeted six times or something. <laughs> <laughs> I tweeted six times I think yesterday or the day before are your thumbs sore I mean my hand was sore but it was unrelated I think uh, I might get into that when I talk about my new mouse at some point. Kai, I just set you up so perfectly with that segue. Come on. I know, but we were talking about something else. Wait, <laughs> there's a segue? I, yeah, as I said, I, I played Smash. We have Anchor Mouse in here. <laughs> ah. Yeah, if you read the show notes that I wrote so carefully. Well, as I said, I played Smash. I didn't look at the <laughs> show notes. Um, Anyways, you were in the middle of saying something about... Sorry, Zach. I oh, I now about? acknowledge your your segue. But b- before that segue, what were we talking about? Oh, things have a lot of things have happened. We're talking about the, the yeah. half year of the pod. Oh yeah. Do we want to talk more about things that have happened next week then, when it's sure. actually half a year? Hmm? Sure. Yeah, I just thought I'd mention it, but yeah, we don't have to worry about it till next year, next week. What <laughs> 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 I mean. I mean, we can't worry about it next year, but... <laughs> Just randomly worry about it a few weeks after it happened. Sure, why not? All right. Um, Anchor Mouse, RSI issues. Interesting. Did you write that? Yes, I did. Um, I don't really have... I mean... Uh... I didn't. I don't have a lot to talk about it yet because I just unboxed that mouse uh, about ten minutes before we started recording. And um, but I got a new. So over the last few um, days, I've done or last few weeks, I've done a lot more programming, um, and therefore developed more discomfort in my in my wrist. And I think that's quite a common problem people in in tech, especially people that do type a lot on the keyboard staff. Um, so I, I tried to make some adjustments. So I have, uh, one of those Microsoft ergonomic, uh, keyboards. I am not actually using that at the moment, but I'll switch back to that. And I also got a silly new mouse, at least silly looking. Cause I, I mean, I, I try to change my mousing input method as often as possible just to kind of not. Is that cursing input method? Sure. Sorry. Anyway, input method uh, multiple times or try to change it as often as possible to kind of have different grips, different positions my hand is in just to kind of prevent uh, repetitive strain. So what I'm having on my table at the moment is a magic trackpad and a magic mouse. Both of them not super comfortable ergonomically. Um, So I usually also have uh, Logitech MX Master in, in, in the kind of mix. Um, but I tr- thought maybe it's time to try something else, like some more ergonomic mouse too. So I got one of those anchor, I think they're like 25 bucks or something. And it's a vertical mouse. Um, so I will, I will put a, it sounds a bit weird, right? Uh, I will yeah, it, put, it does sound really weird. Uh, I'll put a picture in the, in the show notes, but it's basically instead of having your hand on top of the mouse, you kind of have it on. They only have it for, for people that are using their mouse in the right hand. Uh, so you kind of have your hand more in the position as if you're trying to shake someone's hand. And then you're kind of laying around it and you kind of hold it. Uh, How do you shake people's hands? Like this. Like you, you're, <laughs> okay. you, you're, you have your hand vertically, okay? Yeah. So yeah. You're, you're, you have your thumb 
pointing upwards and your fingers straight. Then you go into into uh, the. <laughs> Uh, you kind of grip around the mouse and then your mouse is basically held between your four fingers and your thumb. Um, and you kind of come from the... So the four fingers on the right side of the mouse and the thumb is on the left. And then the yeah, mouse so buttons... So basically the fingers that you would have on top of the mouse are on the right side of the mouse, whilst the thumb, instead of being on the side of the mouse... Uh, it's it's, it's <laughs> Not so easy, is it? <laughs> the, the thumb is on the left side of the mouse. Just put a link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. I will. I, I just try to... Because we're, we're actually having a video on this time while, while recording, I didn't want to have the typical podcast with video problem of just showing it to Zach and no one understands what I'm talking about. So yeah, I put, this, this is so much clearer. So I spent a lot of effort trying to explain it, but apparently it didn't work either. Anyway, um, so I've tried it for about five minutes and so far it feels pretty comfortable. And um, I mean, I probably won't use it exclusively, but it's just another input uh, device that goes into rotation. Um, and it also already uh, forced my pick for this week, but we'll get into that later. Cool. Uh, spoiler, it's it's not the mouse itself. Now, this mouse, can it take an ECG reading? <laughs> good good segue, Zach. Very good segue. You reckon that was smooth? Will people notice? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think that was as smooth right, good, as good. the back door you built. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and you can neither confirm or deny whether you did. I have no clue uh, what you're talking about right now. <laughs> Um, can you do this kind of thing where you're saying I I cannot disclose whether the Australian government asked me to to build a backdoor or is that also are you not allowed to talk about backdoors at all or are you just not allowed to disclose whether or not you built one now if I was allowed if I wasn't <laughs> allowed to talk about whether or not I'm allowed to talk about backdoors do you think I would be talking <laughs> <laughs> well Thanks, Australian government. You screwed up, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broken. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, this mouse cannot uh, do ECG readings, but I've heard some Americans have a device on their wrist that can. And that includes none of us. So we're great no. people to talk about this. I mean, did you see the Reddit post um, that came out like within 24 hours of the feature being available? Uh, no, I haven't. All right, so um, WatchOS 5.1.2, I believe it is, uh, came out um, a few days ago. And for and it's an interesting way how Apple restricted the ECG reading app this time around. Um, there were some rumors or expectations that Apple would restrict where the ECG app is available based on the region settings on your on your iOS devices. Uh, turns out Apple didn't do it this time around, and I assume that's for legal reasons. Um, I would assume because only the um, who is it in in the US? Is it the Food and Drug Food and Drug Administration? Yeah, FDA? the FDA, I think. Yeah. Um, I just go with that now. Uh, the FDA uh, probably approved the Apple Watch as a medical device for this kind of thing, or um, medical? Is it a medical device or medical assistant? Whatever, whatever. They, they, they it has some classification to be yeah used as a medical device. I don't know if you can act upon the information that it gives, but it's accurate enough yeah. to use as a guide. Yeah. So Apple restricted that the availability of that feature based on the serial number of your of your watch and where it was. Whether it was sold in the US or not. And your iPhone. And your iPhone. And your iPhone, which, yeah. Which is a bit uh, 
makes it makes it a bit trickier um, for for people that move to that place. Bought a watch, like if you would have moved from Australia uh, with your backdoor iPhone and b bought a local um, Apple Watch, assuming you would get the ECG readings, you can, which is strange. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, so so there are those kind of restrictions around that. I guess because the 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 watch uses the phone then to show the data. They had to approve both. I don't know how it works. But um, yeah, at the moment, you can only do that in the US. And uh, so if, if the Canadian uh, um, health agency approves it, then it would probably... So I'm quite happy that we now have a Canadian iPhone rather than the Australian iPhone because that would probably also mean otherwise we wouldn't be able to use the feature here as soon as it's being approved. Um Anyway, so it's uh, restricted by the serial number. And within 24 hours, there was a Reddit post of a guy that um, installed the app or, or uh, installed the update on the watch, uh, did, a re uh, did a reading, and it said uh, the reading was AFib. And he was like, oh, man, new software seems to be super buggy. Try it again, AFib. Try it again. Sorry, what does AFib stand for? Um, that is the irregular um, heart thing that the uh, watch oh, okay. measures that's not good yeah so he tried again said afib is like a stupid buggy watch um i guess it's the first update so what what can you expect uh then he gave it to his uh partner and said normal it's like huh interesting try it again normal put it back on his uh, wrist afib hmm then he tried to uh, use the other wrist afib then he tried to uh put a watch on upside down so it wouldn't read on the upside of the wrist but on the downside of the rib, uh, wrist AFib I was like huh interesting so he, he asked like a doctor friend or something I was like just go to the emergency room right now so he did a screening there uh, went to the reception and they directly waved him through did actually a, I think it's called cardi cardiogram there and turns out he did actually uh, have a, a issue um, so <laughs> within within like uh 24 hours it potentially already saved someone's i mean probably more than one person's life but definitely one person's uh uh that one person was positively affected by that uh and actually yeah, now, now i really want it i know <laughs> I'm I, like, but, but but like everyone should try this that's that's frustrating that like it's a it's a great story to hear that it actually helped him that he did realize there was something wrong because of this but yeah now i feel like everyone should have this watch and the feature available yeah i i also when i read that i was like i mean he, he didn't know anything about having a potential heart issue so much so that he thought this the software was buggy for for almost the entire day but that like that part is pretty bad like i'm i feel like People don't have much faith in software if that's the first conclusion. But that's the thing, right? If if that's that's exactly why I think the Apple Watch is great for those kind of things because you yeah, think but even Apple should. I would think Apple is supposed to be a trusted company, and you should believe. But if you're perfectly healthy, right? You don't notice anything. You would. I mean, if my watch would tell me uh, if the result comes back as AFib, I would also assume ah oh, probably buggy, and then I would. Tested. It's just you know if you if you feel healthy, yeah, I know. You I know. I just feel like it's, it's unfortunate that we're at that level where people don't actually trust the software. But it's the thing. You would also sometimes go to a doctor. The doctor tells you you yeah, have some I guess some, so. then, some crazy sickness, yeah. and then you go to a second doctor for a second opinion. It's, yeah, fair enough. I think it's more about having multiple pieces of evidence 
that i mean he didn't directly get surgery or whatever <laughs> happened right he went to a doctor to get another uh, another scan and that confirmed what the, the watch found it it's not it's not supposed to be the single source but it's it's something where a person that feels perfectly healthy gets something relatively easy on their wrist that indicates that they should get a second opinion on that because there is a potential issue and i think that's exactly the power of of a device to because otherwise that person would never have even been getting a first opinion but now you have a first opinion always on your watch uh, on your wrist which is i think the most important part of that that it just happens even if you think you're fine okay yeah fair enough so yeah i i thought it was a pretty pretty impressive um story and <laughs> made me almost more anxious of not having it anywhere else in the world. Yeah, everyone will now go. Everyone who's not in the US and not having an Apple Watch will now rush to the hospitals and try try the heart rates. <laughs> Before I'd read um, that you couldn't use it outside of the US, I did actually do the whole change your region thing, change your age in health, and try and like I wondered where the <laughs> app was. Uh, left for work because I couldn't get it working, and then. I uh, did a bit more research on the bus and learned that, yeah, it was restricted. A little bit disappointing because it would almost be an Apple thing to do to 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 hide it, but yeah. not really hide it, right? Like if you want yeah. it, you can you can use it. But I wonder if um, I wonder if the consequences of having, say, people end up in Australian ER rooms and Canadian ER rooms and things like that when it wasn't uh, approved here would uh, would generate enough negative press that it might have. I mean, it could have been a legal thing, but it could also have been. Um, it could also be that that they don't want, um, they they don't want to sort of get in the in the media for negative uh, stuff, for sending people to yeah. rooms. But I, I wouldn't be surprised just if you're if you're approved on a medical device that Apple can only list the the serial numbers that were approved because if it's only approved in the US, only the ones sold in the US would be approved as medical devices, and only those are allowed to do the readings. Um, because there's no limitation if you would have bought your phone and your watch in in the US, travel back to Australia with them, you can still use them because you still bought them as medical devices approved by the FDA. So I, I feel like for this particular case, when it's a medical device, I'm it, it kind of makes sense to, to have the device whitelisted and not not the region excluding certain, certain features. A little bit annoying if you bought... Um if you bought the watch on the premise that it could take an ECG reading and you moved countries and you couldn't activate it though. It's yeah, that, that, yeah. that is really, yeah, that's weird, but uh, that's what it is. It's, I mean, now we know. So maybe uh, next time there's a feature like that, um, looking at the, uh, non-intrusive glucose monitoring at some point, hopefully, uh, you know where to buy your watch on your phone. <laughs> if this was, if this was a non-intrusive glucose monitor, I would happily, organize one to be shipped from the u.s <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i mean it would it would make sense but mm-hmm. it's it's tricky you would have to have a phone and a watch um I pay that that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i think Can- i've heard canada is quite close to the u.s so if you mm. would live here that would make things easier plan a trip just down for a day and- i i mean you can literally uh take public transport to the US. <laughs> so or just get it shipped to one of those uh border uh post boxes that's that are everywhere around here. So you can just get it shipped to a post box and pick it up in an afternoon. I also read that, or you you sent that link, Zach, about um, this being a limited feature for people, or only for people who are over the age of 22. 
And it yeah, seems like, I mean, technically you could change this and just change your age. Um, do you know, did you come across any information of why they wouldn't support people who are under 22 and what the damage would be if you change it? Like if you, sh- if you do change your age? Like, would it be a regular, would it just be inaccurate readings? Yeah, I'm not sure why. Um, I didn't find a good, good reason. Um, my guess is they probably were getting inconsistent results with younger people and they, you know, it, maybe they weren't approved for, um, for, for different, for those kind, ah, for those younger ages, uh, potentially. Or maybe that was the hold up to begin with, why it wasn't released. Uh, with the watch a couple of months ago because it supposedly had approval at that point but maybe it was approved only above uh, 22 and older and they wanted to change that um who knows um yeah it, 22 is a little bit arbitrary um but it might yeah, have that's been what I felt a, a results-based thing i just wonder maybe there is like a i don't know 0.1 percent of people uh, still have development in their heart region when they're 21. So 22 just means they're like there's no human being uh, that still has it goes through development, and therefore at, only at that age they can guarantee the results to be accurate, and yeah. therefore they're limited to that or something. And it's Quite more possible. about being safe than like I don't know. 90% would be fine at at 18, but they don't know who based on the reading they're getting, they don't know which which person is and which one isn't. So it's I mean, in general I feel like with a first generation product of that, rather be on the safe side than 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 like taking the risk of sending a whole bunch of people to to an emergency room to then just tell them everything is fine. Hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that number coming down at some point in the future. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be great because I think the watch is something that a young younger audience have, and if you, it's probably not very common to have irregular heart ratings um, at that age. But even if even for the few people who have it, would be would be a great tool. Just in general, right? It's it's like this. It's, it's like, like the in, comfort of yeah. knowing, right? Yeah. So, Zach, uh, Kai, and I have been um, thinking about different names that could be good for a. Meetup. Um, when you also drink coffee at the same time, so it's it's supposed to be like a casual sort of catch up type of meetup. Um, and we send you some names. So one of them is. Should we explain why? Like, should we also talk about the Vancouver meetup community? Or? <sighs> yeah, I feel like we're doing this all wrong. I wanted to ask Zach first, like, what he thinks he wants from a meetup community. But first, we could maybe talk about what the idea behind this is. Do you want to explain why we're suggesting names? All right. So um, in Vancouver, there are um, two t- two main iOS or Apple development uh, meetups. And um, one is um, Vancouver Xcoders. They have a really nice logo. Um, and uh, they, they have a very strong focus on really high-quality talks. So the frequency is not that high. So there is one maybe every two, three months. Um, but therefore, the, the people that speak there are, are usually well-prepared, and it's kind of focused on having good speakers rather than just a volume just to fit a slot. Um, and in general, I think that's a good idea. Um, and the other meetup is a bit more casual, somewhat more frequently, but still not at a monthly um, interval. And uh, because of that, we thought, um, in general, I, I do like the focus of kind of having talks with where people 
prepare and actually put a lot of effort in because i mean in in the end you have i don't know 50 60 100 120 200 people in the audience and you don't want to waste the time right with someone that half i can't say an a word half butted half ash half ashed um their talk right you want to you want to have people that actually uh put effort into um into the, the the presentation if you take take a good amount of their time um so i do like that as a concept but we thought we kind of missed the social component you're getting from a uh, monthly meetup because like if we're looking at sydney cocoa heads um for me often the the main reason of attending is is to actually like see see the see people that are that are going to to meet up and the the talks were nice and sometimes interesting sometimes less interesting or relevant to me but there were i i felt like some months they almost felt more like a thing that happened but not the thing that wanted me to attend um so that's why we thought uh if we're already having kind of the 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 base here of kind of high quality talks we thought, how can we get something of the social aspect? And and we thought, for in considering that we're working with a community that already exists with this kind of quality focus, we wanted to add to that a purely social component. So that meetup is is only focusing on social. There is not really there are no talks, there are no presentations or anything prepared. It's basically just. Um, a whole bunch of people, kind of people that care a lot about the industry, care about Apple and uh, development for Apple platforms to kind of have a more of a point in time. It's basically just an organized uh, um, hangout for people that want to talk about those kind of things or relate to things or or kind of are in that kind of universe of, of, um, of thought. Um, and therefore, we thought we should start a... Um, more casual coffee meetup in the morning. So we're, we're kind of thinking at the moment, probably uh, 9 a.m., either on a week, uh, probably on a weekend, just go to have a have a cafe where we just say we're meeting there at 9 and then whoever shows up, shows up, and then we kind of talk about things, maybe even with like a general topic suggestion, but we're kind of working that. Um, and that should then kind of... Um, fill in some of the gaps that the rest of the kind of more technical quality talk meetup culture here already is as a substitute to kind of fill in the social gaps. Um, so we've been thinking about uh, names for that kind of thing. And the names we came up with, do you want to talk about the names? Why do you assume I'm excited about the names? <laughs> Are you excited about <laughs> I, the names? I, I, I am. I am. Uh, so we have a few names that we came up with, which we sent to you, Zach. Uh, one of them would be, um, like, just let us know, like, what you feel like describes this type of meetup the best and also what sort of sounds best. Uh, so one of them would be coffee kit uh, based on like you are kit, obviously. Uh, and then core kit, which is sort of like a reference to core ML and also a reference to the fact that like, it will be like a core group or coffee. Sorry. What did I say? Core kit. <laughs> oh, core coffee. Yes. Core <laughs> coffee. Wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Which would basically be a reference to like um, this, this group being like a way for people like, people to really like who are really engaged in the community to have an opportunity to meet up and chat but also like core. all the the core frameworks are a bit more a bit more raw you get more access to kind of the raw power but therefore it's it, you have to kind of they're not as as i don't know uh, approachable as <laughs> that sounds weird for a meetup <laughs> um like your eye kid is 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 quite um is a lot of 
easier to work with, but core is more, it's raw, it's not as planned. You just kind of show up and we're kind of figuring it out kind of thing. So I feel like it's more okay. kind of symbolizes that it's not as, as polished as a UI kit or a, a kit framework would be. Okay. And it's also because it's on a weekend and it's a morning, it's probably not going to get as many attendees as the regular talk based meetups, just because you have to be a bit more dedicated to show up on an, on a Saturday morning. So it will probably also be kind of the, the core of, of the kind of iOS community that goes first before kind of uh, ideally grows into something that is uh, where more people show up because you have to be more dedicated, I guess. Yep. <clears throat> uh, and then the next thing was um, coffee and co- uh, coffee and Xcode. Oh, I see. It sounds like coffee and code, but coffee and Xcode. Man, I didn't, didn't draw that conclusion before. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, another one is core iOS, um, which was built on the core name. And then iOS coffee, Xcode10.coffee. So you, which ones did you like? And then obviously for Xcode10.coffee 10, 10. is a reference to Xcode 10.1 that we're currently at. So the, the I don't know, the minor number is is the coffee one because we thought that was a name because we want to we don't want to just have necessarily iOS developers it can also be developers that use xcode for other things like mac apps because we all love the mac right or or watch os or tv os or or siri kit Uh, no sorry siri os siri os isn't that a thing no Okay. Or backend stuff. Or or vapor stuff. Or perfect. Or Katura. Anyone that uses Xcode to to work on things. Or as their text editor. And we thought it's kind of nice because <laughs> uh, then um, we have the option to. I mean, every every dub dub we upgrade our meetup because then next year it will be um, Xcode eleven dot coffee. Yeah, we sort of like this idea of just like changing the name every year. Uh, might be confusing, but we think it's quite funny. It's <laughs> so like, it's worse. Yeah, so our meetup has a version number. I think yeah. that would be uh, kind of a typical developer-y thing to do. Mm-hmm. Also, the URL uh, xcode.coffee is available, so that would be pretty cool. Yeah, I did also come up with another cool thing, which I thought would be funny uh, earlier today. I wanted to have like a... How do I describe this? Nine, $9.99. <laughs> I mean, you got yourself into this. You try to explain this. Okay, I came up with this name, which was uh, nine and uh, like it would be at price tier uh, because I thought it would be cool if we could have like an iOS price tier in it. I can help you out a little yeah, bit here. <laughs> um, so we were talking about when when should we uh, start. So, um, like what time of day? Yeah, what time of day? So, Mala was afraid that n- nine might sound too early. Um, so I was like, maybe we should do like, like what do you have in store pricing? We do like a psychological time. So we say it's 10.01 because then it's technically after one. So it feels a bit later than it is. Um, and then Mala kind of continued on that thought and thought, maybe we should, uh, use the, um, the pricing in the app store as a name for the uh for the podcast and ideally it's somehow also what, 99 cents exactly but the problem with that is that a clock doesn't have or like the time doesn't work that way right it's based <laughs> on 60s so we would have to have like a price here which is like 959 or something and that didn't exist and i was like but 
like thinking about it, 999, that's before taxes, right? <laughs> So, what if you would do? What well, what if you would do starting time nine 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 plus taxes, and then people just have to figure it out, and that ends up being some, something like nine forty five or something. But it depends on the on where you are, right? So you have to know what taxes should you should apply to it. And then I thought it would be quite funny because you you end up getting very dedicated people if you also have this meetup in multiple uh, different states because everyone actually have to figure out what the uh, what the taxes are in their states and also figure out what the tax for coffee is in their state in order to figure out where when to go to meet up. And I thought it would be more fun to actually have people showing up to the meetup. <laughs> yeah. So we probably scratched that idea, but I think we should still... Con- we will I definitely think- scratch that idea. Yeah. I think it also we has should- nothing to do. No one will, <laughs> no one will see um, 499 plus taxes and think, oh, that I really wanted to go to an IRS meetup. Yeah, I, I was then thinking that maybe we should just name it 499 plus taxes, but then it sounds like an accounting uh, meetup. So probably not. But uh, I do like the idea of having a starting time at like um, 901 just because it makes people feel like it's less early and it would also make people be in time, right? If you set a very, very specific time, that means people sort of show up. Mm. So which name do you like, Zach? (laughs) It's a tough one. I think he hates them all. No, no, no. I actually do like uh, a few of them. Um, Xcode10.coffee, I think he's a bit confusing. Um, It is super confusing. But the domain name is available. And also the idea of changing changing the name of a meetup every year. I don't know if I like that too much. (laughs) Or iOS and iOS coffee feel a bit uh, generic. Yeah, we ran out of ideas at that point. (laughs) And also to your point earlier about, you know, not wanting to exclude us watchOS developers. Um, it's a it's an important part of the market, you know. All three watch apps that are available. Um, <laughs> I do like the first three. Um, my favorite is probably Coffee Kit, not because it's a relevant meetup name. I just think that looks really cool. Um, it does. Like, I, I'm a big fan of like, uh, sort of even creating your own uh frameworks for like pri- uh, like private frameworks for apps and things like that. Um, just you know, having a word and then kit and sometimes they look really cool and other times they're a bit of a mess, but I think coffee kit is really <laughs> cool. Um, yep. Like I, um, I, uh, if I, if I ever start working on this, uh, at least the, the front end for this cricket app that I've been mentioning to you, uh, that will have a cricket kit, um, which is kind of a pun because a kit is what you take when you play cricket with all your like stuff in it. So it's, um, it's actually a really good, uh, really good name. So I'm a fan of that name. Um, it's a bag? A bag, yeah, with stuff in it. Like your cricket But you have would- to give it a different name because everything in cricket needs to be confusing? Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that makes sense. Like a kit sort of makes sense. It's like a medical kit. You have yeah, it in yeah. a bag, but you still call it a medical kit. Right. right. Yeah. It's very, very specific. Um, coffee and Xcode is good and core coffee is also good. Um, probably prefer the first two, so coffee kit and core coffee. Um, yeah. I don't think you can go yeah. wrong. Yeah, I I think my my favorite is probably Coffee Kid. Yeah, I mean, like the thing is, it's probably the the least relevant to the meetup out of all of those, but it's also my preferred name. So I don't know, don't that's not the best justification, but um, just purely from like a name and aesthetics of the name, definitely Coffee Kid. 
Yeah, but I'm also, I mean, I don't even know if people will show up. It's basically just... Um, I mean, worst case, we are showing up. We'd like drinking coffee, right? Exactly. We, we do that anyway on, on, yeah, exactly. on weekends. <laughs> You're just so inviting it's, other it's, people to hang out who may or may not yeah. show up. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not too worried about, yeah. about that. Um, it's just, I, I feel like overall there is... I mean, there are a lot of tech people in Vancouver. I just feel like the social component is, is a bit... Um, lacking behind of what we've experienced in Sydney, and therefore we, I think just trying this maybe maybe we end up with a different idea anyway, as we see like like w- that people show up and other people have different ideas. But I feel like just starting something usually is is a better way of getting somewhere than just sitting around doing nothing and waiting for something to happen. And it also doesn't need too many people for it to be a success at all. I mean, you can have four people who show up regularly, and that's yeah. plenty. Um, for that kind of meetup. Yeah. yeah, like you almost don't want too many people because then logistically it starts to become a problem. So you probably have to have a bit of a limit on how many people can show up in mm. a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, luckily, there are a few different cafes here that ha- are relatively big. So if we would start at like 9 a.m. on a weekend, I think it wouldn't be too many people. Um, so I think that's good. See, and at the very worst, it's you two who go. So you've already got company. You'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's a good thing that we start. We're not starting with one; we're starting with two. Yeah, um, and it's also I, I kind of like the idea to also therefore uh, draw more attention to good coffee shops in Vancouver. Like, especially, I mean, we're I mean, all three of us are really into coffee, and I kind of like being able to also um, draw more people to coffee shops that I might might not be as popular yet but like newcomers to the vancouver coffee scene for example to to have like a meetup there to expose at least another four or so people to their coffee place and then potentially uh getting that coffee place more attention at the same time so it's kind of combining a lot of the things that i i, I enjoy a lot into yeah. one thing and so I, one- I always like being able to bundle more than just one interest into into uh things i do with my time so we so that said, I think we're planning on having a meetup that moves around, so it's not always going to be at the same cafe. We're going to actually mix it up. It's going to be in like core Vancouver or like downtown Vancouver. But apart from that, I think it's quite good to mix it up because that also helps people who might not be able to attend, depending on where they live, uh, like being able to attend. And it's nice to mix it up and try different cafes. I mean, walking from one side of Vancouver to the other takes half an hour. I don't think we'll have so much of a variance that it's particularly... Yeah, but so if, if they're further away from the train station, that can be hard for people to live outside of the city. Mm? Yeah. Mm. Is it purely social or will there be like a take your laptop and work on things component if you wanted to? I think in the, in the beginning it's um, more social just because it's easier to get started that way and it's kind of awkward. I, I, at least I thought it might be awkward to go to a meetup. You know, I mean, if you're if you don't know anyone, and the expectation is everyone works on stuff, it's a lot harder to actually get to know people. Um, if you if if you come to a group of four people that work on stuff, you might feel less comfortable looking on their screen or kind of seeing what they're doing, and it's harder to introduce yourself if you have the chance of just hiding behind a screen. So the idea is to at least initially to start off it being more social and shorter, um, but then potentially it being... Um, I mean, it, it it will morph into whatever it becomes anyway, but the idea was to force the so- social aspect to be less screen-focused. I mean, maybe initially it's more about... 
I mean, everyone is ha like welcome to show what they're working on or what their side projects are, but more showing the outcome rather than the code. But I think quite naturally that that tends to turn into things like, let me just show how I've done how I've done this thing, and that's fine too. But it's definitely to to be social and get to know more people and then make it a thing that you're looking forward to hanging out with people. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, I know um, you mentioned like a couple of weeks ago that there was a new meetup coming up in Sydney, but people seem to it seems to be more focused on getting work done together. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. How do you? Um, we spoke a little bit about it. How did you find that uh, meetup? Did you find that like most people did end up programming, or was it most uh, like so most like, people were chatting to each other? I've been twice now. Um, it seems to be about half the people are chatting and half the people are working and that might vary. Um, it's like the first time I went, I was chatting almost all the time, just sort of being the first time, uh, get familiar with some of the people there and things like that. Uh, and then the second time I, I got work done for the first couple of hours. And then I think for like the last hour, it was, uh, mainly a chat. So it's sort of, it's interesting. Like the discussion comes and goes and people, work on things and ask other people questions. And I think that works quite well. Um, and I do, like, I think there's advantages to both sides of it. Um, I think it can, I mean, maybe if you are a little bit like more like shy and introverted or whatever, it can be nice to just sit down with a laptop sometimes and get some stuff done. But then there's the mm -hmm. other side of, well, what's the point if you're not actually going there to talk to anyone? Cause you could do that at home or at any other cafe um so i think mm -hmm. i think a mix is definitely good and sort of the way you described it of well there might be discussions that pop up around certain things um it's probably a good uh a good way to start with that um mm -hmm. yeah because i wasn't too sure what to expect from the sydney one but it seemed to be a good mix like if you wanted to talk to someone and have a chat you could if you just really want to get some work done you could also do that um and ask some mm -hmm. questions as they come up so it's pretty good mm -hmm. Yeah, what you described is kind of what our expectation is too. Yeah. That it's nice. if you go the first time, you probably want to get to know people before you show them random code that they don't even know what it does. <laughs> yeah. So uh, considering that for us, it's not an established thing where we go the first time. It's actually something we start and everyone will be there for the first time. It's probably okay to go without computers and then see if people have a desire to work together or something. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, uh, like I said, like, it feels like this would really add to a community. I think it's important to have those regular talks and have people who are like, um, just like helping each other in the community learning new things. So I think having a structured talk is really good, but I do think, uh, you do get a lot of value out of actually like networking in quotation marks, uh, or just hanging out with people. I think uh, once you start to know people around the, your city, that will be really helpful because like, if you need help with someone, you can always ask them there. Or um, like, I think we've been talking about this before. This is why many people do listen to podcasts. Uh, they might just want to talk about tech in general and want to have someone to in, like have this conversation with. And if they don't have someone in their family who's interested in this, I think it's a perfect opportunity for them to actually go and chat about those things and uh yeah i think it's a good start uh and then like maybe we have like a regular like once on like i think this will probably be like a fortnight thing uh so a bi-weekly thing to put it in non-australian terms um isn't bi-weekly <laughs> twice i don't know it's twice a week right <laughs> it can be both that's why i do like fortnightly uh, fortnightly, fortnightly makes sense, better yeah. But people apparently don't know what it means. Fortnite, every two day weeks. period, people problem <laughs> solved. Okay, thinking about having it every every second week. Um, but 
maybe we could have something like once every second month we also have like a more like a programming session where we focus a bit more on that part um so i think we can mix it up and just see like what people what people like um if anyone even shows up who knows right yeah. that's what i'm saying i don't want to plan too much about the the uh kind of roadmap of this thing let's first see if anyone shows up if not it's just you and me drinking coffee and then yeah would be wouldn't be fun <laughs> it's basically this no. podcast yeah minus the video call. No. <laughs> and minus sack yeah well, so it's probably more interesting well i, I mean you're welcome to come <laughs> no, no whining australian on the other end of the phone <laughs> no no we should we should facetime you as well on, on the meetup Uh, but yeah, like, how do you feel, Zach? Like, what do you... I wanted to talk a bit in general about, like, what makes a good meetup community. And, like, um, I think that was... Like, when I when I was in Sydney, I really liked the meetup community. And I really liked everyone who I had opportunity to meet through the community. And um, just, like, having this monthly thing to look forward to, like, Cocoa Heads was great. Because, like, that was really a time when you could chat about um, iOS in general. And get just get to know what other cool things other people are doing and get inspiration. Um, and I think uh, that was something, like I said, that, that I sort of missed here. Just that social aspect. And I'm hoping to build that. But, like, how do you feel, Zach? What do you feel... I guess adds to a good meetup and a good community. So it's it's interesting, um, and it's probably something that that varies for every person. Like you probably have different um, thoughts than I do, um, but I think in the case of like, obviously there's different types of of meetups, um, and if we're talking about something like the Coca Heads style, where there's a few talks and there's some socializing, um, I think that's probably a good a good starting point for this discussion anyway. Um, and in that. In that case, I think the talks aren't as important as they seem, but that's also not true. And I know that makes no sense, but sort of what I mean by that is people attend, or often at least at the beginning, people will attend for the talks and then sort of stay for the yeah. people. Um, yeah. I mean, if you don't have, if you don't have the talks and the meetup was a case of, well, we're just going to spend a couple of hours in a room with a hundred other people that you don't know and you're going to talk to them. It can be a little bit awkward, especially if you don't know anyone. It's your first time attending. Uh, you could think it'd be a little bit boring. You might not have anything to talk about. You might not feel like talking to somebody that month. I don't know. There's a bunch of factors there. But I think if you have, by having the talk, the sort of the things that, the things that get people in the door, like, oh, cool, there's a talk on vapor. I don't know. I'm mm -hmm. going to go to Coca Heads next month. And then, while you're there, um, so I think that's about getting people to a meetup, but then specifically the community, what I found is, I mean, that that's made by the people who attend, right? That's that's made by the people who are there, uh, who are talking to you. And I think, um, I think one of the most important things that I found is the friendliness of the people. Um, so now, I guess, taking the, the two meetups that I've been to in Sydney, the Coca Heads and the, um, the Swift Peer Lab on the weekends. Um, one of the really nice things is sort of seeing similar people each week, um, seeing people you know, and then sort of being able to talk to them about whether it be the same things or similar things week in, week out, sort of get to know people and just have them be really friendly. But yeah, no, I think the community is sort of made by the people who are attending and how welcoming they make other people feel. I know when I first uh, started attending Coca Heads, um, I, I hardly knew anyone. I only went because I knew one person. And I mean, that's not a lot of people to know in a room filled with 120 other people. Um, but then very, very quickly, uh, 
I learned that people were super friendly and that's sort of what kept me going back month after month. I didn't really know that many people for, for a few months after, uh, for a few months after that even, but I still went for those few people who I did know. And then it's sort of, um, everyone that I was meeting, they were really nice and they were willing to introduce me to other people. And then you sort of just build a network. And I think that part of Coca Heads was really valuable just to, um, meet and socialize with people who, Otherwise, I probably wouldn't normally uh, talk to and to get to have those discussions that you, you really can only have when you're in a room filled with people with similar interests. Um, so, I think, yeah, the people and the discussions that sort of start around a shared common interest for me in particular are the, the important um, is, the, is the most important part of the meetup. Um, but then that's obviously not to undermine the great talks and other things that sort of are responsible for, for getting people there and for, for keeping um, people's attention as well while they're there. Uh, how about for you? I don't really have a lot to that. For me, it's mostly I I appreciate the social part a lot. Um, talks are, I don't know, I, I feel like I tend to not, I don't know, I, I, I feel like often it's that I'm, the, I have a really high expectation for the quality of a talk. And if that's not there, I almost feel like it's a bit of a waste of my time. And that sounds harsh. And I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say it that way because, but sometimes because you, you have, sound like you're, you're very unthankful for the people spending time. Yeah. But like, it, I mean, I think we've all been to, to meet up where, where it's clear that the person didn't really prepare. Maybe they didn't even have time to prepare. Maybe they came in very last second. And I don't think that's something that I, like at that point I, I i feel like it's it's difficult right you can either say we we don't have a talk <laughs> or or um we have a talk that was kind of improvised rushed together and not well prepared and of some some people nail that and you're surprised sometimes those talks are not yet great and i i feel like when there is is a month or something where where you notice that the talk is more rushed and unprepared i I would have rather just hung out with people instead of the talk. So I, that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't really have something. I, I, I like good talks and otherwise I like talking to good people. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from and I don't think you're a monster for saying that. Um, I, I, I do agree. I think sometimes like I, re I really appreciate when people really prepare a good talk. And I know it's many people see a meetup to be different from a conference and you should like i don't think as many people prepare to the same extent for a meetup as they would for for a big big conference either but at the same time i think if you do that like people are going to get so much more out of it and i understand that you don't have the time to do that but um uh, there's a reason why i think many people do pay a lot for going to conferences but it don't pay for meetups and i think and, that's but then, that. then you also have to problem if you then go to you pay a lot of money for a conference and then you see it, the the speaker walking on stage say ah i didn't even prepare for this i i just threw it together last night let's see how it goes then you're like oh great i spent uh, hundreds of dollars for that thank yeah, you yeah yeah um just to rephrase what i said i think i'm i'm probably going 90 percent for the for the social aspects and 10 percent for the talks yeah like i like the way I think you put it earlier uh, Kai you said that um, you come for the talk but you stay for the people 
No, I, I, I would like to claim that, but I was oh, saying that. Sack. Yeah, it's a really nice saying. I think you should print it on a shirt. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's a really nice thing to do, a nice way of saying it, because I think the talks are important because it gives everyone an excuse to show up. And I think it can, like, you, you can tell your, uh, like, your family that you go into something important. You're not just going to go and hang out with your friends. You got to go there and listen and learn something for your job. And I think, I think that's great. And I also, you, I also do think, I don't know why why so many people are so. I mean, in general, I feel like it's we're, a good society should also be allowed to do things just because they think it's fun and not why they can argue for why it helps them for their job, right? It's it's. I always struggle with that. I see why that's happening, but I feel like let's let's just embrace that people also. I mean, we're all on this planet. Uh, and if we want to do things that are fun, let's let's embrace that yeah, and do guess- things for fun. Yeah, but wouldn't like it depends. If you have a family and kids and responsibilities, your partner would probably also want to go and do something fun. But that's not really a reasonable excuse for leaving your children alone. But I think that's the thing. I mean, that that, that went to a very different topic very quickly. <laughs> um, I mean, in general, my point is more: we shouldn't always have excuses how it helps us with our career if if we actually just want to do something for fun, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't discount fun and enjoyment in things we do in our lives. No, no, I see, I say that. Um, and I, I mean, if if you would, I don't know, you if um if I would stay at home and you go somewhere, I don't want you to pretend I'm going there because it will help me pay the bills or it will help me learn a valuable skill, so I can still pay uh, for rent or whatever. I'd rather have you tell me honestly. I go there to socialize with some people with similar interests. And then offer me to join, <laughs> but you know, I, I feel like I feel like it's sometimes problematic when people are too focused on on finding excuses why it's valuable for their for their career rather than just appreciating things that are fun and that we're we're trying to be on this planet nice together, trying to optimize the enjoyment we're getting of the one life we have. Anyway, I think the iOS community is also pretty good in that sense and that people are willing to sort of socialize and you know it's a good uh it's a good community even if there's not uh particularly great talks on for whatever reason um but i guess that's not always the case and there there are people who are going for the talks as well and you know who want to learn something about whatever one of the talk topics is and i think that's really valuable as well um and sort of by having that then it, it becomes the draw uh, towards going and then you learn yeah. you only learn after going to a few meetups um that there is such a good community as well i mean i had no clue yeah, that's true I, I didn't know honestly that how many ios developers were in sydney i was surprised when i learned there was a room full of them at a meetup one night and you know <laughs> i'm sure many hundreds more um but you know that was sort of a shock to me and i thought oh, okay it'd be interesting i'll see some talks and you know uh, sort of go with the the one person that I I knew in the in this community, uh, and then it was the community part was something I learned after being drawn to the community for other reasons for the talks and things like that. So everything serves its purpose. I mean, I I also really don't want to discount that. I mean, Sydney Cocoa Heads was one of the reasons why we wanted to move to Sydney. Yeah. It was because we saw that there is such a big community. <laughs> I also don't want to discount the Perth community where we lived before. <laughs> <laughs> I, in general, don't want to offend anyone ever in my life. But um, it wasn't really, it wasn't that we thought the community was higher quality in Sydney. It was just nice to see that there are so many people that are passionate enough to 
go somewhere after work hours. And that was like, the, when we saw there are 120 people going and there's a waiting list, we're like, all right, that seems like a place that that where where there's a good amount of people that care about the type of technology we do care about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I wanted to say before you started talking about the world's happiness and how we <laughs> should really use the one life we, we, we really have in, in, uh, in our lives, uh, <laughs> I wanted to say that It is a good reason. It is a good excuse to attend the meetup, but it's not just a good like. It's it's not about having an excuse for, uh, like your family or your like your coworkers of why you go and do something. It's more if you go to a talk or if you go to a meetup and there is a talk on, um, that's a good introduction. Like if you then end up like in in the break talking to people about what, <laughs> how do I say this? Like, I think if you if there is a talk on. That gives more people reasons to socialize in between and after. It Because, opens the conversation. Yeah, it right? opens the conversation. Yeah. So like if you're there for the first time and you don't like you you're a bit shy or you don't really know know anyone or you don't know what to talk about, you can always talk about the talks. And I think that's really what they're there for. It's they're there for you to learn and for getting like an introduction to the meetup, but then also to to be able to like socialize with other people. Uh, at the meetup and then like the next time or the like a month later uh, sorry like th uh, like three months later um at the next at the same meetup you will probably be a bit more relaxed talking to those people at uh, at the meetup about other things that were not related to to the talks but i think it's just a good introduction to and a good conversation starter so um that's why i think the talks are important and uh i do so basically also... zach you come for the talks you stay for the social yeah that's what i like people. but i also think it's a good opportunity for people to like just share what they're doing and that's why i'm hoping to achieve with something like uh, like a more like a coffee shop meetup uh, just for people to actually be able to engage with each other and just share and like i, I feel like people are relatively negative lately and it's nice to have something like positive for people to look forward to like like a meetup where they catch up with people and where they can talk about like the happy parts of uh of their their job like the things that they really enjoy the things that they're passionate about related to ios i mean you don't go to a meetup because like even if you have like a really bad day at your job if you have a meetup like the weekend the same weekend that might be encouraging you to like uh just be more creative in 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 like ios and like it really it's more inspiring to hear what other people are doing and i think it's good to do those things in between like your regular regular life and like you said kai for to have fun i think it's good i mean meetups are really special places you've you've got a bunch of people who care about their job enough or who are interested or passionate about their job enough to want to go to something outside of work hours where they can learn more about their job or speak to people about their job or related interests and things like that. So I think, you know, it does require a certain level of dedication and commitment. So there's already sort of, but the very nature of people going to a meetup, they're interested, curious people. Uh, and I think that can lead to, to great discussions, but I also don't want to discount Uh, talks either i mean i get uh that there is, there is absolutely a distinction between a meetup uh style of talk and a conference uh presentation um generally uh, the latter is a lot more polished um, but i think it's also really valuable to have that opportunity to, for anyone to be able to speak at a meetup and uh gain exposure and confidence and i mean i i know personally uh i've uh, developed a lot more public speaking confidence over the last 12 months just from Uh, doing little things at Koga Heads, and that's been super valuable. So I definitely don't want to discount. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, no one's going to a meetup for a conference quality talk, and I think that's 
that's perfectly okay. Um, but it is, yeah, it's a great start into public speaking. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's also it's also an interesting way to learn about the way other people do things and the way they see um, certain things related to development and tech and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and as uh, as you mentioned before, it's also a great conversation starter for somebody who's at the meetup and who might not. Uh, know where to begin if they're going up to a few people and trying to start a conversation. I mean, you've all just sat through the last, you know, 30 minutes, an hour of talk or whatever it might be. Um, I'm sure there's a, a starting point or two to to get a conversation going from that. So, they're definitely, um, definitely a valuable part of the meetup. But I think, I think if you can uh, extract value out of the people there as well and those sort of connections you can develop with people who regularly attend, um, then that is also super valuable um, as both as a developer, but also as somebody just interested in technology and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and- that's how we met too, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> we, we did run into each other's paths before that. Like, I think we were at DubDub together, but we never really met each other. Uh, like, we were, at, we, were at DubDub, we were at DubDub at the same... Like, you were a scholarship winner in 2016, and I was there yeah, as well. I, I think we worked out later that we would have been there the same year. Uh, I, don't yeah, think, yeah. I don't think we met, but uh, I, I definitely remember you from a conference first. And then Coca Heads. Yeah, then we did meet at uh, Playgrounds. Mm, yes, I remember that. But then I think like it wasn't until like Coco Heads where we actually started like chatting and like had because like conferences tend to have more people at them and uh, yeah. So I think like just to like get to know people and like uh, yeah, just like even if it's not for like a job or anything, just like if you find someone who you just can chat about tech with like on your free time that's really valuable but even if it is right it's it's good we we sometimes know people that run interesting companies and they're looking for people and it's good then if you know good people that might not be as happy with their jobs to connect them to people like to you know it's always i I always find it satisfying when i see someone that is passionate and talented to work in in a place where that's actually appreciated rather than discouraged so being in a position to to the more connected the community is the more they can help each other also on a on a career level and therefore getting people to work in places where where that kind of interest and passion is appreciated i think that would will also in overall make make the community happier and better if if people are not disgruntled and have a know that they're they're appreciated in the community and know that they have ways of you know if if you go to your work and uh, no one appreciates what you're doing it's kind of discouraging <laughs> and being part of a community uh, is almost like a safety net in a career per, uh, way where you know all right if it doesn't work out i know a lot of people that might be able to help me out or i'm i'm able to help someone out and they might appreciate that so i feel even even on a on a career level it's kind of nice to have a community because you can help each other and kind of positively influence influence what people do with a lot of time during the the day definitely and i mean one of my favorite parts of the sydney coca heads meetup is the the section called hiring and firing where if you're either looking to hire someone or looking for a job uh you can get up and sort of give a pitch for 30 seconds yeah i I just love the name of it yeah yeah hiring and firing it's a pretty cool name um and it's sort of it's always really good to see sort of the community help each other out and you know if someone's looking for work then other people will jump in and say you know i might have something and you'll see them talking to people after that and i think that's it's it's a really valuable um you know it's really valuable to have that access to uh, the community like that and through things such as meetups. It's really good. Um, and going back to 
sort of you, you mentioned it earlier when we met at a conference a couple of years ago. That's an example of the sort of re- like the nice benefits of the community and, and sort of having people be welcoming that I was mentioning before. So I met you there and then like the next month onwards at Cokerheads, you were two more people that I could chat with at Cokeheads at a time when I really didn't know that many people in the community. And that was sort of mm. really nice. It wasn't like, oh, who are you a month later? You know, I've completely forgotten. Mm. It's like, no, <laughs> you know, um, you're really nice. And that was sort of, uh, you know, one of the many contributing factors to me learning, oh, this is actually a really cool community with people who care about other people and care about what they do and they're passionate. And, you know, it's sort of really nice to see that and to learn that other people are also like, really welcoming and stuff. Mm. Yeah, no, I do agree. Like, I haven't been, I mean, I haven't really been involved in other communities before, but I do think that, like, just, I guess, reading from things on the internet, it feels like other communities have a bit more problems. Like, it tend to be, like, some communities can probably more be more hostile, uh, but it might depend on where they are as well. But I think uh, the iOS community is, in general, very open. I think a lot of people... Like I've been talking about this before. I feel like many people who are iOS developers, they sort of had to make the decision to become an iOS developer. It's nothing you just really fall into because there's so many barriers to entry. You need to, like, you need to have a Mac in the first place, which is a really expensive machine right now. Like it's quite, it's quite an expensive thing to get into. Many people want to have test device. So then that adds another thousand dollars. If you want, uh, want a phone as well that you can test on. And then it's also the Apple developers, um, um, what is it called? Membership uh, in order to actually release the app. And it's just so many things that you have to pay for, first of all. But also, it's a language like Objective-C and Swift. They are not really common languages that you would just have known from like web development. You sort of have to make the decision to move over to it. And that's why I feel like when you go to meetups, you really notice that the people who are there are really passionate about the... Um, about the community and about the, about the platform in general. And I do think that's partly because it is such a... The group is relatively selected by itself. It tends to be people who are more, who are very passionate and who are, uh, like, who want to engage with other people because I think everyone comes from a similar background. Everyone has gone through this, like, uh, really been working towards, like, learning this new platform. So it's no, like, people don't just fall into it and happen to show up at a meetup. It's quite, people have to do it intentionally and that makes people very passionate when they're there. And I also think it makes people quite special. Like I, I really think it's a special community because there are so many things that goes into the process of becoming a, becoming a developer for the platform. Does that make sense? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, that was when I started getting into um, not even development, just using a Mac. Yeah. Every time uh, I, I was at an airport using my MacBook and there was another person with a Mac uh, you would smile to each other or not to each other. It was like even that, just Mac users were kind of community. And I guess especially in Germany, I, I lived in Germany, and Macs were not that common there. Uh, in the US, I whenever I saw anything from the US, I, I thought it was crazy how many people use Macs in the US. But in Germany, it was super, super rare that you would ever see a person. So even just that, because it was kind of the underdog uh, platform, even that already built it. Like I, I sometimes started like there was a guy coming up to me at the airport and we started yeah. chatting about our max it was just whenever you're in, in a thing where we have to put go through some efforts to to be part of that mm. that uh, group that is um i mean that is kind of uh yeah. nice 
I think that's what I'm trying to get to. That like it feels like people have decided to do it. That people have decided to like work in this platform, and that makes people happy to see that other people are also in that community. So people are quite happy to talk to each other and encourage each other to stay. I think it creates less of a competition. I guess like people are. I'm happy when I hear someone who's uh, like coming out of university or someone who's just like a junior developer who. Uh, who decides to go on iOS because I think I think that's great and I really want to encourage them to do that. So I think if I meet people at a meetup who are new to the meetup, I really want to encourage them to stay there and show like, look, this is a great community and we lo- would love for you to be a part of it. And I feel like that's an attitude many people have when you go to a meetup the first time. And um, yeah, I, I just think it's a it's a great community to be a part of and. I'm hoping it will stay that way even now when like if you would go up to everyone on an airport having a Mac now I think you would never make it to your flight. No, but I'm now hoping, you're the crazy person. Yeah. I just I just hope it will stay that way. Uh anyways, uh, I think the community for developers is still going to be the same because it's it's effort. You have to put effort through effort in in order to get through that barrier. Yeah, you're kind of getting into a different area of problems now with the prices though. Now now it becomes an I'm I'm afraid that the community is now becoming something where you have to have a lot of money to get into. But I guess that again is a topic for yeah, a different. Yeah, if day. you only could program on something that's like a lesser computer, like like a like a tablet or something. Adness, never gonna. <laughs> yeah, we can get into that later. <laughs> you mean so the you... things that are thousands of dollars still? Only if you buy the keyboard. Who said you need a keyboard to yeah. develop? Talk to me when you can write an app on your Apple Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. And I totally see you doing that if that's somehow possible. Yeah, but the keyboard is still going to be expensive. I would give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> for I, I don't think you would give it a go for more than five minutes and then frustrated, frustratingly giving up. I would want to see what lasts longer, pile time or the Apple Watch battery. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we move on to our list where I noticed what, I'm the only one that doesn't about? have an entry? I think so. Huh? What list? Uh, it it says list in our show notes. It's not a list. It's not a list. Who called this a list? It's currently a list because we have... Sorry, I did the show notes this week because they weren't done an hour before the recording. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it is it is a list of our three picks for our stuff we like. Not a list thing. Stuff we like. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I noticed I'm the only one that doesn't actually... Didn't actually write down their picks. So should I start? <laughs> <laughs> sure, go for it. So, uh, I briefly mentioned before that I uh, had a new mouse, and it is a a third-party mouse, which means it isn't uh, by default. Um, the the extra buttons on a mouse are not working, and Anchor doesn't have any drivers for Mac, and even if there would, I wouldn't be super excited about installing uh, their random kernel extensions. So um, to make the uh, side buttons work on it, I found this cool small utility, and it's called Sensible Side Buttons. Um, and uh, basically what it does is enables, uh, it makes side buttons like page page back, page forward type of buttons on third-party mouse uh, mice work on, on macOS without uh, too many weird hacks. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It also kind of describes uh, how how they got to the point they're in. So they're basically looking at the mouse events and then uh, translating it. Uh, translating it, And it's not like a terrible uh, 
kernel extension and compilation of hacks. So it's pretty, it, it works pretty well. It behaves natively as you would expect. So you can even do that when the when the um, window is not in foreground, so it doesn't just overwrite uh, keyboard shortcuts and those kind of things. So it's it's pretty nice, um, and it does exactly what it uh, said it would do. It's free. You can donate. So if you like enjoying it a lot, donate a few dollars. But it's it's just a nice small utility that just makes using third party um, mice on on a Mac a bit nicer. It looks really nice. I saw that he wrote a personal thank you note in the um, menu, I guess, mm-hmm. for, for the tool. It's pretty nice. Um, yeah, mm. because I was saying when you bought this mouse, like, oh, sucks that you can't use those uh, those buttons on the side. That would be really good. But yeah, there you go. Mm. And I also wanted to pick something this time around where I don't have to talk about the entire history of the product for half an hour. <laughs> What are you talking about? You never done that. <laughs> um, do you want to go next, Zach? Sure, I can do that. Um, so my pick this week is the Danny Foundation. So uh, very quick introduction. Um, the Danny Foundation is a, obviously, foundation um, that was started um, basically trying to petition the government to fund continuous glucose monitoring for all Australians with type 1 diabetes. And I've spoken about uh, JDRF who are doing uh, research against a uh, research uh, sort of towards prevention uh, of diabetes or, or towards a cure. Um, but this uh, this foundation was started in memory of someone who uh, actually passed away from a, a hypo blood sugar overnight um, whose life would have been saved with a continuous glucose monitor. So they've sort of made it their mission the last uh, few years since that to get uh, funding. They're actually doing some great work. I wanted to highlight them. And um, so they've got, they've secured funding uh, last year. They secured it for uh, people up to 21 years of age. And a couple of weeks ago, um, they sort of expanded, they managed to expand the uh, pool of people who are eligible for a, a, a continuous glucose monitor subsidy. And it's really good to see. Um, so still, uh, so now it covers uh, pregnant women um, or women planning on getting pregnant, which is really good, um, as well as people who are over 21 who have a concession card as well. Um, so that's sort of really good to sort of, yeah, I think the pool's almost doubled in the amount of eligible people, um, which is really good to see. So I just want to highlight cool. their work. Um, it's because of them that CGM is funded at all for anyone in Australia, um, doing some really good work. So it's definitely a worthwhile um, organization. Um, and yeah, I've uh, definitely benefited from some of their work. So I wanted to point that out and I guess say thank you. So really thank you. No one from there is listening, but sort of just <laughs> express my appreciation for this foundation and its existence because they are doing great work uh, for Australians who live with diabetes. And it's always, it's always great to see. Um, in general, I feel people have more power than they think. Um, and this is a good example of someone that thought that certain regulations in the country they're living in are just not right and put some effort behind uh, trying to to improve the situation for for everyone. And they are successful with that. And I think that's a good uh, good role model for for whatever thing you you believe in should be improved. Yeah, no, it, uh, I did see you tweeting about this before and it seems like they're really, they do really make progress and, and, and I'm happy that... It- <laughs> It's, it seems like they come from a quite an unfortunate background, but it's great that they really try to um, encourage people to support this cause and help people with diabetes. So 
I'm glad that you picked that. Um, so if someone would want to like donate, where would they, where would they go? You can go to Danny Foundation. That's Danny with two eyes. Dot good. Dot do. It seems to be some kind of generic um, organization page that they've got set up, which is really cool. We'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah. No, I just thought maybe some people don't don't uh, have apps that support show notes, or people who might be um, not looking at their phone at the moment. So it's good to always. Yeah, so you can go to that page, and you can they they do accept donations. Um, the people working behind this are doing it obviously all for free, just uh, on the back of donations. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna ask anyone to donate, but if you are in a position where you want to, uh, you absolutely can, and it, I'm sure it'd be very much appreciated. Right. Now, um, do you want to follow that up, Martin? <laughs> I should have gone first. I feel like <laughs> my, my pick is very lame. <laughs> Sorry for the developers of this app. I didn't mean that their app is lame. But I, uh, <laughs> well, Martin, good, good job offending everyone. It's not, this is not going well. I feel like I've been offending most people in this, in this podcast recording. Anyways, um, the app, I, uh, I'm picking an app because I feel like I haven't been picking too many technical things uh and this is actually a game uh, it's quite an old game it's called threes i feel like many people are aware of this or at least apps that are similar to threes uh, this is basically a game that um how do you describe it it's like a it's a phone game um like a mobile game you're supposed to basically add up numbers that are the same in order to get to a higher number and they sort of not like, the same yeah If you have threes. two threes. How would you get to a three with two identical numbers? No, that's not how it works. If you have two threes, you can slide them over each other. And then it becomes six. Is it? Yeah. So yeah, basically three, it, the number three yeah. is sort of irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Like you start off with three. So it's basically like this it's basically a um like it fills your screen with different cards that have um Mostly threes. Oh, okay. I see why you're confused. So you have two things. You have or you have three different cards. One is blue. One is red. One is gray. Um, and you need to add up the one, uh, the blue and red ones. They are basically um, one and two. One and two. They 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 are representing one and two. And you need to add uh, up one and two to get to the threes. But then once you have threes, you start adding up threes to get to sixes. And once you have sixes, you start adding up the sixes to get to 12. And you can always pair them up that way. So the only exception from having to have a pair is that you need to, uh, you you can also combine the blue and red ones to get new threes. Um, I feel like this is a very complicated way of describing this game, but it's a, it's a great game that I've been playing a lot while uh, listening to podcasts so that I can... Uh, Because of, like I said the other day, uh, at the other recording, it's nice to have something to do while listening to a podcast, uh, while still being relatively focused on the podcast. So I think if you often like go around or like if you cook or if you're doing something else in your house at the same time, it can be a bit difficult to stay focused on the podcast. But if you actually sit down and listen, uh, it's uh, like you stay more focused on the podcast, but uh, playing a game at the same time, like threes is quite like relaxing. Um, and it's not really like the focus is on getting high score, basically sort of like Tetris style. It's not like it has multiple levels or anything. You should just get as high of a score as possible. And yeah, I really enjoy it. It's a cute little game. And if you don't play podcasts at the same time, it's, uh, it's, they have some great sound effects. Uh, like the cards actually talk. Uh, so it's quite, quite a cute game, quite cute sound effects. So I would recommend checking it out. Mm. It's really good. Yeah, I've been playing, right. I've been playing since you started talking about it. And I feel like 
you can like you can easily just like play with it and not try to get better. But if you really start, what to, kind of monster? If you, just... if you if you try to really like think ahead, to, like on what you're gonna do in like future turns, you can really get good at it, and you can really sort of strategize on like taking maybe maybe not like um, taking points um, during that turn, but move cards in order to get more points the turn after. Uh, so yeah, the, it's a good game. I think you guys should just download it because I feel like I was terrible at describing it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a great game. Cool. Can you stop playing it? It's a bit distracting, Kai. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I just noticed um, all of Apple's um, privacy websites include the backdoor, but only in Australia it's in quotation marks. Oh, okay. Interesting. What does that mean? <laughs> they think Australians are really sarcastic and put everything in quotation marks. <laughs> Maybe Apple can talk uh, about yeah. their backdoors, so they're talking about their backdoors. Back doors. 